Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. <laughs> Hi, Lily. Hi, Mikey, and to everyone out there. So, Mike, we thought we'd kick off the, the new year. Was that good? New year. Was that good, Mike? Yeah, pretty good, actually. All right. You're getting better, Leah. Thank you. Yep. With our listeners' favorite listener questions. We got some good ones, as we always do. Oh, boy, we have a lot. Like, yeah. what is unfortunate? Well, not unfortunate, fortunate. Like, I go through and collect these up after we do one of these listener question episodes, yeah. which prompts people to send in more. Yeah. Leah, we have 27 pages of them. I know. Well, actually, I have <laughs> I have 34, but maybe that's because I asked my assistant to big letters. <laughs> Big type. It. Big letters. Please. Old person. Printed yes. in old person. Old gal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, let's start it out. I've gone through some of these, Mike, and I hope you have some of yours that you like. Yes, I do. But let's just start with this one. Page one. Okay. On the day that you left Scientology, Leah, and you escaped Mike, what did the next day and the days after that feel like as an ex-Scientologist? I thought this was a great question. So did I. This is from Helen Logan. What, so, Mike, for you, I mean, what was it like? It was surreal. Yeah. I mean, I was in London. Yeah. I escaped when I was in London, and I went and sat outside the National Gallery in Trafalgar Square and literally sat on the grass and looked at the sky and watched the people going by and listened to the birds singing and wondered, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? Right. But- the feeling was this overwhelming feeling of, my God, I don't have to report to anyone. I don't have to show up for muster. I don't have to go, you know, 12 o'clock to eat lunch in 15 minutes. I don't have to be anywhere for anybody. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah. and this is, this, like, my life up until that point, I can I can count on one hand probably the number of days where I literally in my entire Seog career had no obligation to anybody else to do anything. Right. It was liberating, it was a little scary, it yeah. was um it was strange. Mhm. Mm but I was really happy. Yeah. As long as I didn't think too much about what the consequences were going to be or what was happening with my family, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And for me, I mean, like I was in a daze, I think, you know, it took a long time for me to come out of, you know, knowing ultimately what I did was right. And, you know, I remember Jason Begay saying to me like, oh, I'm so excited for you you know, the experiences that you're going to have now, but, you know, lots of shame and regret um, for having wasted, you know, a good chunk of my life, you know, 35 years of it in Did something. Did you have that, that quick, yeah. huh? No, not, not like the next day, but it takes, it takes time, you know, over time, the depression rolls in, you right. know what I mean? Like yes. you get over the, you get over the, you know, the excitement, you feel like you're being let out of prison and you're like, ah, I'm going to fuck everything. I'm going to drink. I'm going to wear perfume and I'm going to do everything that Scientology didn't let me do, you know, and then, 
you know, the pendulum swings often, uh, which I always tell people, look, you know, you're going to have a wild moment. Don't, don't go running back to the abuser because you think, you know, what you're doing is wrong. And, you know, like you kind of like struggle with, wow, I was a better person, you know, in this restrictive environment, but we weren't, you know, it's like, right. We were not doing all the bad things in Scientology. Um, but you know, not having to answer to people like you're saying, not have to show up every day, not having to report, not being interrogated. Those things felt, I felt liberated, but still sad, you know, like the, you still have to work through that sadness. Anyway. Yeah. You got one, Mikey? I was just going to go to the next one Oh, from Jacob. To what extent is L. Ron Hubbard's science fiction work relevant within Scientology practitioners' lives? This is an interesting question, and I, I like I have two parts to this answer. One, L. Ron Hubbard's science fiction is considered to be a stepping stone for getting people into Scientology. Right. It is name awareness. If people because Battlefield recognize- Earth was so good. Yes, exactly. And the movie in particular was a masterpiece. uh But if people recognize the name L. Ron Hubbard from his fiction works, then they may look around to find the other books that he has written and pick up Dianetics or one of the Scientology books and therefore become interested in Dianetics and Scientology. So it's considered to be a feeder line. But then interesting that you mentioned Battlefield Earth, And even more important than Battlefield Earth is the last fiction work that he wrote, Mission Earth. Uh. And for Scientologists, Mission Earth is like fictionalized truth. Uh Mission Earth contains enormous amounts of wisdom from L. Ron Hubbard about the world bankers about the uh, pain and sex and dominating people and et cetera, et cetera. And this is considered to be um, like if the Bible contains parables Mm -hmm. that you are supposed to learn things from, Mm -hmm. Mission Earth contains lessons that Scientologists are supposed to learn things from. Right. And they treat it very seriously. It is the most outrageous, over-the-top, depraved, insane yep. fiction. Yep. It's like sadomasochistic and et cetera, et cetera. But this is, in the minds of Scientologists, a Hubbard masterpiece, as everything he ever wrote is a masterpiece, right? and should be looked at as teaching or giving insight into the way L. Ron Hubbard viewed the world. Mm-hmm. Do you have another answer to this one? No, I don't, because I, I, I wasn't interested in, you know, I was already having a hard time dealing with having to read the hundreds of books that I had to read that were, you know, Scientology-required reading that, like, I could yep. give a shit about his. But, you know, it turns out it's pretty much the same work. <laughs> exactly. Right? I know. Exactly. Right, right. It's science fiction yes, exactly. and religious fiction. Right. Well, science right. fiction and fiction fiction. Right. All right, Wesley Miller has a question. Once the planet has been cleared, what would the next goal be for Scientology? Ah, it's clearing this sector of the universe. Yes, there's other sectors. There's other universes, (laughs) my friend. 
Wesley. In fact, uh, and I say that and laugh, but yeah. Scientologists literally believe it yeah. is this sector of the universe is our responsibility to mm-hmm. to deal with. Yes. Whatever this sector of the universe actually means, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, something. I don't even think that any Scientologist truly believes that the planet's going to be cleared this lifetime anyway. You know, because it's not that big of a deal, remember, to Scientologists, because they're, you know, they believe that they're going to come back in another body anyway. That's why they spend millions and millions of dollars putting L. Ron Hubbard's teaching into titanium plates and, uh, you know, so that so that when we're gone, you know, sci- they could continue their work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. You have another one? Oh, I got dozens of them. All right. Well, I'll just, I'll move on to Melissa Lorenza. Lorenzana. Ro- Lorenzana. Yes. It's funny, you pick, you're you picking out exactly the ones that I've picked Well, out. she's from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Love from well, Brooklyn. <laughs> What's the reason Scientology actually gives parishioners as the reason they can't reuse books? I know they force you to buy new editions, but for the ones that they haven't changed, what's the BS claim they make since it won't be because we're scammers? <laughs> no, the reason I love that question. I know the reason is that they say ridiculous things, which that we all believe that there were typos, that you know they were missed, and that's why you didn't retain the information. That's why people are becoming SPs. That's why people are leaving Scientology, and you know the SP who printed the book is gone now. And we can't have you reading books and misunderstanding LRH. So, you know, you have to rebuy the books. Yeah. And and so everybody understands this concept of study technology and not going past a word or symbol that you do not fully understand yeah. is like God's law in Scientology. Yes, it yes. is absolutely so literally... If there is a book that has a mistranscribed word in it or a symbol that is in the wrong place or a wrong punctuation, uh-huh. this can cause you to get the manifestations that Hubbard describes of going past a word or symbol that you don't understand, which is, you know, you you don't comprehend, blah, 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 blah. But eventually, mm-hmm. the... the he claims that eventually this will cause you to blow from the subject, leave the subject. Right. So it is considered to be really, really important. So, you know, these new books have new glossaries, much better descriptions and definitions of the words so that mm-hmm. you will fully understand them. So you're not going to get, have misunderstood phenomena, right. which is how it's described in Scientology. Yes. All right. Why this is from Trish? Why doesn't Nicole Kidman speak out about Scientology? Her kids called called her an SP. So why not speak out? I assume Katie Holmes doesn't speak out because Suri's still a minor. Obviously, speculation. But do you think either of them will speak out at some point, Mikey? Oh, you dumping this one on me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> because I believe that they have not spoken out. Because I believe that they have agreements mm-hmm. as uh, part of terms of their divorce custody arrangements that require them not to. 
Yes. That's the only assumption that I can make. I do not know that for a fact. And Mike, you've seen or drawn up some of these agreements, not with them, but uh, you've seen them before where they're not even allowed to be in the same room with a known SP. Correct. You can make uh, an agreement as absolutely restrictive as you wish Mm-hmm. As long as the person agrees to it and gets some compensation for it in sure. exchange. Sure. So, or to be left alone or custody right. of their children or, you know, listen, this is, again, this is me guessing because I don't have firsthand knowledge, but in the case of, of somebody like Nicole, when Nicole and Tom separated, Nicole wasn't the biggest star that she is today on her own. So- I could only imagine the agreements that were made were maybe made at a time when she, you know what I'm saying? Like where she wouldn't, couldn't say, go fuck yourself. Right. Yeah. And also maybe she simply wanted to leave this chapter of her life behind her and and not be harassed by Scientology and in theory, have her children able to continue to communicate with her. And that didn't turn out too great, even though she played by the rules. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know, and I don't want to to be too assertive about knowing what something that I don't. But Of course. That's what I believe. But we've been around enough to know we could guess. We're not saying we're guessing at their situation. We're just... Right. Guessing what, what we think would be. Generally would be the state of affairs. All right. You have one, Mikey? Yes. Go ahead. Jane Standen Bolton. Ah! I had that one checked. Okay. <laughs> What's the deal with Kareen Powell? To those of us never in- Yeah, well, let's to- explain who she is. She's another nasty piece of business from the Church of Scientology. She is the one who makes many nasty statements to the press. Well, the only one, really, uh, to the press. She's Scientology's uh, supposed spoke- spokesperson, right, Mike? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay, She's- so- well, let me just finish reading the question. To those of us never in, she base, she is basically an imaginary person, a mm-hmm. name on many insane statements and a single 20-plus-year-old photo online. Uh-huh. She may as well not exist in real life, but Mike must know her. She presumably worked for him in OSA. Who is she? What yeah. is her job? What is it? Well, I do know her. She is a French woman mm-hmm. who actually is a very nice person. She is a gentle <laughs> she is a gentle person. Yeah. whom I liked a lot and she did work for me in the Office of Special Affairs International. She was held the post of the public relations aide OTA, OSA International. So she was in charge of public relations. Today, she is a name that is used as the front for Statements put out by Scientology and more particularly statements put out by David Miscavige because he doesn't want to put his name on some of the things that come out. So her name gets stuck on them. And I can always tell when these letters, uh, well, actually at this point, no letter that has ever issued from Scientology under Corinne Powell's name is written by her. I know her writing yeah, style. Yeah, I, I guess you're right, Mike. <laughs> I shouldn't say that she is an essay. This is coming directly from David Miscavige and right. his team. And it's not her, but, you know, she is, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, uh, like, uh, don't, don't, I'm not trying to excuse her too much. No, she's put her name on this stuff, just like my daughter. Yeah. And she's, she's, her name is out there and mm. she could leave Scientology if she wanted, although yeah. her parents, her brother, her husband, yeah. her entire family are all Scientologists. Our husband and brother in the Sea Org, you know. Well, listen. She's. We say this to Karen, and it's so crazy. Like, you know, Karen and people who work at OSA might listen to these podcasts, and and I I extend to Karen and anyone in Scientology and in the Sea Org who's listening to this to attack us to to try to fair game us. You know how to go to hold of us if you ever yep. want to leave. We will be here for you. And I know that sounds so crazy, Mike, but I, I just want to let them know, like, we'll we'll help you. We'll Hell, help we you. have a we have the Aftermath Foundation set up for that exact purpose. Yeah. Like that exact purpose. That's all it is there for. And yeah. we and you know, Leah, though we don't talk about this often mm -hmm. because a lot of these people do not want to be public get on anybody's radar mm -hmm. right at the outset but we are helping people all the time yes i know escape from scientology and particularly escape from the seal and people ask us that all the time like are you guys getting anywhere yes it's it's just like mike said they don't want to be public you know and they're going through a lot these people i know because mike you know does tell me and, and we just don't want, you know, we want to respect them and we admire them for leaving, but we just can't talk about it. Right. All right, here's another one. Yes. Jill Stevens. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Wouldn't Scientology get more members and even more money if they would behave like a, quote, normal <laughs> church? Uh, that is be nice. Stop disconnection. Support people spiritually and emotionally. Have free services and community events. All the things real religions do. Why don't they drop all the mean stuff? And be a real church. Fill their empty buildings with real people practicing their faith, etc. Perhaps then they would see some growth and even thrive. In other words, stop pretending to be real religion and really be one. Now listen, Jill. I think enough said. I agree. I mean, is this a real question or is it more rhetorical? Is it more of a statement? We agree. Well, the answer to this question is, why don't they do that? Because if they did that, they wouldn't be Scientology. Correct. So, so it's like, yeah, <laughs> because it's a Scientology, Yeah, exactly. Scientology <laughs> doesn't fucking believe in helping people. They don't believe in <laughs> charity. They believe people who are homeless are degraded. They don't deserve the help. They believe people who don't have money to pay for Scientology are not able Beings, they call them, they say that. We're here to help the able. What does that say? That says <laughs> that if you are not as able as them, they don't want anything to do with you. Right. There's nothing about Scientology that's religious. They don't believe in God. Matter of fact, they believe, and later they, you find out in Scientology that God is a lie. Uh, it's just, there's nothing religious about Scientology. There's no spiritual, nothing when you get into the upper levels of Scientology, you're literally talking to people, uh, to pretended spiritual beings. They, they turn you into a fucking lunatic by that point. You're literally talking to imaginary beings. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, th this question is like asking, you know, uh, 
Well, wouldn't mosquitoes get a better rap if they stopped sucking blood and spreading disease? Then they wouldn't be mosquitoes. Well, yeah, then they wouldn't be mosquitoes. No, you're right. That was a great answer, Mike. All right, Tim said, uh, and I don't know if you want to answer this, Mike. Tim asked, how do you think Marty Rathbun lives with himself? I mean, it goes on, but I think that's good enough. How does he live with himself? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And how do you think he justifies in his mind his lies and the hate that he directs at so many people who are trying to help him? How do you think he lives with himself? I think that um, he lives in a delusional world. Yeah. You know, like he has convinced himself that somehow whatever it is that he, uh, uh, whatever explanation he has for why and how is true. That's the category that I put Marty into. Yeah, right. Sadly. And Leah, do you know what happened to your auditor or other handlers after you left a very famous celebrity leaves and speaks out? You know, I think, my, first of all, I, I my handlers are still in. Uh, Shane Woodruff, but I know that my auditor, my who was also Katie's auditor, Katie Holmes' auditor, he Todd Woodruff, who's one of my favorite people, um, was kicked out of the Sea Org, where they left. Right. Yes, but then he turned around after I contacted him because I was like, "They're defaming you. They're saying that you." You know, the, uh, he like said, I can't talk to you, Leah, but, you know, I love you. And I said, and I love you, Todd, and I'm sorry that we're here. And do you know he did a fucking video about me? Saying that I hired a private investigator and was stalking him? Yeah. Yeah. These these POW videos are not worth yeah. giving a whole lot of attention to. I had one on a page earlier. Gemma. And a few people actually asked this question. Okay. What would the return of LRH look like? What's stopping someone from just walking in, claiming to be him, and dethroning Miscavige? Is there some sort of prove-your-LRH test? Okay, the truth of the matter is, nothing is stopping anybody from doing this. Mm -hmm. Except, A, a desire. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. why would anybody want to take over that shit show? I don't know that it's like that attractive at this point. But, but here's what's so crazy, Mike. If somebody did walk into a church of Scientology and say, I'm LRH, I need to go into my office. Um, <laughs> do you Light know? Light up a cool. And by the way, if uh, and I'm telling you with every piece of information that the person had that would be legitimate, right? Like that you would go, wow, I mean, how would he know that, right? They yeah. would think the guy was psychotic. So doesn't that say a lot about Scientology? Yeah, it does. I mean, <laughs> because they push this. We live different lives. We come back. You have a twenty-one savior PC folder in right. storage. Oh, we'll leave the money on account for you next lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> all that bullshit. They would go. This guy's fucking nuts. Get him out of here. You know, Leah, there was a guy that showed up fairly recently in the last yeah. couple of years called Justin Craig, who changed yeah. his name to L. Ron Hubbard, mm -hmm. and he was just a total crim, like a criminal. Mm -hmm. He's back in prison now. Okay, but 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 Mike, imagine, but imagine he wasn't. Imagine somebody came in legit, you know, with with the right information that would be oh, plausible. They would still go, "This guy's fucking psychotic," and Scientology is based on. What Mike just said, that 
you know, don't worry, you're going to come back. Even if you drop this body, you know, just a meat body, you'll be back. You know, that's how they do. They get away with this connection is don't worry. She's not really your mother this lifetime. She's just your mother this lifetime. Uh, That's just your kid this lifetime, but you'll have other kids and other lifetimes. You'll be this person's mother next time. You know, they sell this, Mike. Yes, they do. And yet, if somebody walked in, they'd go, this person's fucking psychotic. Right. Next one? Yeah. Wendy. There is a lot of tourist traffic in Clearwater. I've been there several times to visit the aquarium, and we have always spotted the Scientologist walking through downtown. Did Scientology ever try to purchase the aquarium or try to get rid of it or do they not care about all the outsiders driving through since it's not in downtown Clearwater? Okay. Long story here about the aquarium. Uh, the aquarium owned a lot that was on the, across the street from the Fort Harrison. And there were some plans to move the aquarium into Mm. downtown Clearwater from over on the beach where mm-hmm. it is located. And Scientology was vehemently opposed to that. Mm-hmm. Vehemently. They do not want any wogs in downtown Clearwater. That is the bottom line. And David Miscavige tried to buy that lot on the, the pretense that he wanted to build a swimming pool on it. <laughs> like, like they need another yeah. swimming pool. Right. Um, and when the aquarium, the person in charge of the aquarium, who was David Yates at the time, said, sorry, Charlie, we're not selling it to you. We already have an agreement with the city to sell this to the city as a part of their efforts to revitalize downtown. David Miscavige called in the PIs and the lawyers and started attacking David Yates and sending letters saying that they shouldn't be getting any money, the aquarium shouldn't be getting any money, that David Yates was overpaid, that it was all a big scam, blah, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Now, Miscavige is back trying to pitch this again to get that lot. <laughs> and we shall see what happens in the future. But certainly, Scientology is very happy that the aquarium did not relocate to downtown and remains over the bridge and people just drive by, not even going through downtown anymore to get to the aquarium. All right, here's one from EKD310. Do you and Leah ever look at each other and say, we're so fucking sick of talking about Scientology? Yes. I like that one too. (laughs) Often. (laughs) (laughs) Often, but then I go and all the people who write to us and all the people on social media, all the people that stop us in the street and say, please don't stop. Please keep going. What you do is really important. And I go, okay, all right, back at it. Here we are again. Okay, Rach. What, if anything, would cause David Miscavige to leave his position in Scientology or even Scientology altogether? A jail sentence. Right. Period. 
I don't think people understand the life that David Miscavige leads. I, <laughs> I don't. The, the wealth that is at his fingertips, at his discretion. I mean, Valerie was just telling me the other day, he orders from, uh, what's that fancy restaurant here in Malibu, Mike? Uh, the, the sushi place? Nobu. Nobu. That he would order from Nobu and Shelly would be like, fuck. You know, he's... He's so ridiculous. The amount of money that he spends, you know, hiring these chefs and ordering these suits. And, and so, you know, because Valerie had to say, like, Dave's ordering from Nobu, you know, what do you want? And, and you know, Shelly didn't want anything. She's like, I, I don't want anything. Do you know that she got in trouble from her own husband <laughs> because he said she's making me wrong? Like, I don't need that. You I, Like, she better fucking get it. Give me the fucking order that she wants. Like, he, like, she, she was like, fine, get me a soup. Like, the amount of money that David Miscavige, like Mike, he he has the best suits, tailor made suits. He has uh, private planes. He has custom made cars. He spends parishioners' money like there it's there's no tomorrow. And an enormous amount of power inside Scientology. Why would he leave? Right. <laughs> You're right. A jail cell. It's not just the money, Leah. It's yeah. also the power. Yeah. Like. You've you have often made mention of this that we have come across celebrities who we deal with and they have like huge celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like huge like internationally everybody knows these people yeah. and what they have at their disposal is a uh, a life of luxury and basically they can get anything they want. What they don't have is hot and cold running servants, slaves, who, if you say... Knock down that building. go Yeah, exactly. Knock down that building. They will be there knocking down that building until it is done day and night, 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. If you say, I want uh, this person to go lick the bathroom floor clean, they will go lick the bathroom floor clean. And... and and I, and I don't want people to think like that's ridiculous. I mean, this is what's going on. This <laughs> yes. is what's going on. The kind of power that they have at their discretion because they have Seorg members working for them who are beholden to them, who have no outside resources. They're getting these, the, it, it, it's it's power like you've never seen, like would be uh, in um, A king. North Korea. Like it, it, it's, it, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or an old, you know, medieval king or a Saudi yes, exactly. prince. But the fear, but the fear of not doing it. Yep. Go ahead, Mike. you have another one? D. Freeman. Mm-hmm. What's a small thing you appreciated upon leaving the organization? For instance, Leah, during the show, at one point, you mentioned that you had never been in the ocean in Clearwater, alluding to the fact that all of your time in Clearwater was spent working. Mm-hmm. I think the, if I could point to one thing, it's, it's, it's not not sitting with somebody across from me and thinking that they're lost and that I have to save them. It's, it's being able to sit with a human being and not know their religion and judge them on their character, but not already having a prejudgment because they weren't Scientologists. Yeah. And having the freedom to be friends with and be around people that I that I love and and like 
without Scientology telling me who I can and cannot know. Yeah, that that's a great that's a great one. And I I was going to answer almost a similar thing to say having uh, the ability to accept wogs for who they are. And a wog is a derogatory a term. Non-scientologist, yeah. And just that they're just nice, decent people. Mm-hmm. They they're not degraded monsters who are incapable of getting out of their own way. Mm-hmm. Which is what you are taught in Scientology. Mm-hmm. That these yeah. people have nothing. They're like they're like beneath. They're beneath uh, your level of of uh your socioeconomic level yes. <laughs> you, you shouldn't mental, really be associating with yeah. them and they're not they're, doing shit you know no right. matter who they are if they're doctors you know yep. priests you know in scientologist eyes you ain't doing shit if you're not a scientologist yep okay here's one this is from rescue pups of hope do you ever worry about scientology doing something dangerous to you or even a loved one that could put you or them at harm uh yes we do but that, you know, we do things to protect ourselves, but at the same time, we can't stop doing the work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Kristen Bauer, A. Bauer, which is interesting, um, has David Miscavige personally reached out to either of you since you left? <laughs> okay, so just so you know, they're not allowed to talk to us, uh, or nor would they, because David Miscavige knows what we're doing. Uh, is true, what we're saying is true, and why would he talk to somebody who would possibly take away his lifestyle? Right. Anything to add to that, Mike? No. Okay. Uh, I mean, he he's as likely to talk to us as he is to talk to, to you know, the man in the moon. It's just, it just, it wouldn't even enter his, his no. world. He'd leave the room if we were in the room. Oh. He'd leave the building. Yeah. He would run away from in the city if he knew. Yes. Like if we show up in Clearwater, Leah. Yeah. He's gone. Uh huh. He'll leave the he'll leave the city for the time yes. that he knew, knows that we're there because he's afraid that we might run into him. Okay, here's one. Busy mummy CK, and this person asks a question that a number of people ask. Okay. How did you and Mike meet? Mm-hmm. And how has your friendship evolved over the years? Do you remember how we met? No. First, I do. Oh, wait, I think I do. Okay, go ahead. We met at yep. the opening of oh. Citizens Commission on Human Rights. No, building did we? on Sunset Boulevard. Yes, and I was there doing the opening ceremony and I went out afterwards and I was upstairs chatting with Lisa Marie. Okay. Smoking a cigarette. Okay. On the the balcony at the top of the building. Okay. And it was like reserved for VIPs only or something. So I was out there and you walked out. Or you were there when Le- when Lisa Marie and I walked out, I think. And Lisa says to me, "Oh, do you know Leah?" And I said, "Nope." And <laughs> she introduced us. Uh-huh. And we started chatting, and I don't remember any details about the conversation per se, but I remember thinking, okay, 
these two are my kind of people. Like I used to get stuck. Yeah. I used to get stuck being like the the PR guy that had to like associate and you know entertain people and yeah. various guests that would come and blah blah yeah, yeah. blah and the stuck up people. Oh, and you get people- stuck with Jenna Elfman and Bodie Elfman. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. like you know, I'm like, oh God, you you two, you spoke my language. This was like <laughs> out there. Smoking cigarettes and what the fuck this and blah 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 blah. Isn't that and it was funny? Like, it was very very very. Mike, isn't easy. that funny? And we're all not in. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about Lisa Marie. Uh, I mean, me point. neither. Yeah. She she comes and goes, but yes. That's a great. Qu- oh, that's great, Mike. Yeah. And from there, I really didn't have a whole lot to do with you until yeah. you reached out to me. Yes. Whenever that was in 2013, or, mm-hmm. I can't even remember exactly when it was, but sometime when you reached out to me after Look, you'd reached out to Debbie. We could actually find out because I remember talking to you, Mike. I was doing a pilot for ABC. It was called Family Tools, and it was, uh, we could probably Google it and figure it out. Oh, really? Because I was t- talking to you uh, when I was pulling up to the Disney lot. And I was still, I was still in. Right. Yeah. I know. I don't think that people actually understand the, how strange that relationship was. Or like, it may not sound strange to normal people, but in the Scientology world, that was really, really out there. Here's a, a genuine Scientology dedicated celebrity yeah. Talking to a genuine Scientology dedicated SP, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm like the the big boogeyman, mm-hmm. and you're reaching out to me, like you called me out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Debbie gave you my phone number. <laughs> yes, you reached out to Debbie after she put out her email, and then Debbie gave you my phone number, and then you called me, and I'm like. Yeah, well, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> no, you didn't say what do you want. I didn't say it like uh, that. No. But uh, it was like, oh, I wonder what this is about. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because you hadn't decided that you were leaving at that point. Right. It was a very, and you were like going to have meetings with people from David RTC, Miscavige. even David Miscavige. Yes. And I'm telling you, Leah, this is what's going to happen. And I was Here's like, what well, he's gonna say to I you. need yeah. to know. And and by the way, it's so funny that because we're talking about Lisa Marie, because I was talking to Lisa at the time too, and Lisa, I was telling her, you know, Dave Miscavige wants to meet with me now, and she's like, "Fuck that, fuck him, tell him to go fuck himself," and I was like, "Well, I'm going to go on the meeting, Lisa." Like I'm, yeah, she was like, she was, the, yeah, talks a big game. All right, yeah, from Kaya Hargis. Uh, would you both, uh, Lee and Mike, still be in Scientology if Ron Hubbard was still alive and in charge of Scientology, or do you think that you still would have left at some point? Uh, this is a hard one, because if L. Ron Hubbard was um, able to have the power, well, if he had the powers that he claimed he had, he would have foreseen the internet, uh, which he didn't. Uh, but he wrote policies on everything. I mean, including his own death, Mike. He, ne- he didn't even make plans for that. Right. Right. Uh, so um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Could you, Mike? No, 
Honestly, yeah. I couldn't. I, I know. I suspect that I might still be. I might still be one. It's crazy, right, to think about but, that. But because the what ultimately motivated me to to finally like pull the trigger and go look, nothing could be worse than this, even if I die on the street a bum. Yeah. Was really what David Miscavige was doing to me at that point. Right. So but who knows what what Hubbard would have degenerated into. Right. Like he was heading on a pretty serious downward path. Oh like, yeah. So he might have ended up being a, just a complete crazy, you know, abusive, like more overtly well, yes. crazily abusive. He wrote all these policies, Mike. <laughs> right. All right, Debbie H., is there a policy that Scientologists are not to read, listen, or watch any media criticism, if there is, uh, criticizing Scientology, how does Scientology even know that it's out there? Well, because, uh, sci- well, let's take the Sea Org members and Scientologists, two, two different, one is a parishioner, one is an employee of Scientology. Parishioners, like me, are taught not to go on the internet, not to look at things, that are criticizing your church. And so you decide not to. And the patent response is, that's en theta. Why would I look at something that's upsetting to me? Why would I look at things that are attacking my good church? Here, you know, these are things that you're just taught to say as a child and through adulthood into, you know, in Scientology. And you just don't look. And you don't listen to anything. And if you do run across it, you're taught that anybody who is speaking out against Scientology is evil. So you just learn, you just are taught to not listen. Now, you're not supposed to actively do that. If you do, you get penalized for it. <laughs> so how do they know what we're saying? The people who know what we're saying, like Karen Powell or... Edward Parkin, these are people who work for OSA, the Office of Special Affairs of Scientology, and they are the special people who can deal with the horrible things that we're saying, and they are taught to attack. That's that's one group. The second group don't know shit about what we're saying. They just are taught to attack back. They just attack, regardless of what we're saying. Right, Mike? Exactly. Is that the best way to yes, answer? Yes, that's a that's a great great answer. Okay. Oh, uh, this was this was an interesting one from Milton Paca or Pacha. Why does David Miscavige hold a higher position than Ron Miscavige? Okay, Ron Miscavige is father <laughs> to David Miscavige. Uh, you need to understand that there is no such thing as son and daughter, father and son, husband and wife. I mean, David Miscavige has disappeared his own wife for fifteen years. And she's in trouble for whatever she did. There is just no level of, you know, that's my dad or that's my mom. I should respect. There is none of that in Scientology. So, of course, David was seen. David was senior to people who were senior to him and he took them out. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to be the leader of Scientology. Yep. Okay. Okay. Here's one. Hemda F. As a secular Jew, I celebrate the holidays, eat the food, and sing the Jewish songs. I'm really curious to know if Scientology has songs 
or holidays that are unique to them. Okay, holidays, yes. March 13th, L. Ron Hubbard's birthday, and May 9th, the anniversary <laughs> of the publication of Dianetics, are the two grand holidays of Scientology. Are there any traditions that go along with them? No, other than singing happy birthday to dead Ron on March 13th. That's right. it. Right. But there is, there is, however, a Scientology song, one that I am not proud of. What is it? <laughs> We stand we, tall. We stand tall. Please put that video up, Mike. No, I'm embarrassed to put that up, Leah. Mike, please. <laughs> Mike, please. You owe it to them. You owe it to these people. All right. Thank you. I and will. then you could follow it up with the SNL skit. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Carl Lamino. I'm so bad at names. Spill the tea on Kirstie Alley. She always thinks she has a sense of humor humor, or in on the joke about her so-called religion. Is that true? No, she isn't. She's not in on the joke. She. This is all like a Scientology thing to, you know, you're supposed to laugh at you know, the, your attackers and dismiss them. And that's what she's doing. What she's doing is a piece of Scientology technology. Um, she's not in on shit. <laughs> Melissa Dalton. What would a fully indoctrinated Scientologist do if there was a worldwide if there was worldwide proof of communication with aliens? Would it strengthen their faith? Would they pretend it wasn't real? Just curious. Listen, they don't. They actually don't believe in aliens. Uh, they just have, as part of their scripture, the entry point to one of the confidential levels that Zenu, uh, what I guess was an alien, Mike, right? But, well, but, yeah. 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 But what Scientologists are taught is that you are consumed with spiritual beings, like, you know, normal spiritual beings, not aliens. So, like, you're talking to, like, Maggie. You know, like, it's. it's <laughs> you're talking to Peter, you know, who who is in your eye socket. Like, it's that insane. It's even worse. But if. You had a Scientologist saying they were communicating with aliens. They'd think you were fucking nuts. Yep. Yet, that's what their scripture is based on. It's insane. Yes. Okay, Suzanne, can you explain what the Scientology base near Trementina, New Mexico is for? The aerial imagery shows symbols on the ground near an airport. Weird stuff. Well, the symbols on the ground aren't the weird stuff. The weird stuff is what's under the ground. Right. That property and several others in California are the repositories of L. Ron Hubbard's sacred scriptures that have been etched onto stainless steel plates and stored in titanium containers filled with argon gas protected by heat tiles that come from the space shuttle uh, cloaked in gold... <laughs> gold uh, sheathing in underground vaults mm -hmm. that have bomb-proof doors on them. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of all of this is to preserve this invaluable technology for all eternity and future civilizations once Earth has been eradicated by nuclear war. So that when this barren planet, someone comes and finally rediscovers it, they will find the only thing preserved on planet Earth is the writings of L. Ron Hubbard. Could you imagine? And 
that is what Trementina, that property, is about. And, and where those is that? symbols. That's in New Mexico. New Mexico. Mexico. Uh-huh. Out in the middle of nowhere. But what's the one that uh, Shelley Miscavige is supposed to be supposedly being held at? That's what? the one that is. Uh, there's also vaults there, and okay. that, and that's actually where they manufacture the the stainless steel plates. That okay. one is in San Bernardino County in Southern California, mm-hmm. up near uh, Lake Arrowhead. Oh, and that's top, called at the and top that's of the called mountains. Twin Peaks, right? Yeah, or Mile okay. High, okay. or Rim of the World. It's got various names. Rim of, but, Rim Rim of, of the, the World, world and Mile High. <laughs> yeah. Rim of the World is the name of the little tiny town that it is closest to. Mm, okay. All right, so listen, Mike, just these two questions here. Susan, could you explain about how serious uh, physical health issues, i.e. cancer, are dealt with? Is there a difference how the average Scientologists and celebrities get help? And I think that goes with Anita uh, Sheffield, who also asked, I also wonder about the concept of being able to cure yourself. How does someone rationalize it when their loved one dies of disease they were supposed to be able to cure? I think about Kelly Preston dying of cancer and wonder how John Travolta explains it. Uh, so, we, you know, in the last answer, I talked about uh, these spirits. Uh, science, you could look it up on the internet, you guys, but it's, it's um, they're called body satans and they're called clusters. And when you are sick and you're uh, on a confidential level, as Kelly Preston was, um, they chalk up your illness to a body satan who is being cancer. And you needed to audit that spirit out of your body. And once you do that, you're supposed to have cured yourself of those things. And if you are still sick, you are considered what's called PTS, which means a potential trouble source, which means you're connected to a suppressive person secretly. And so they kind of justify people dying by like, well, they didn't get to the confidential level. So, yeah. Or they say, well, the person must have been PTS and didn't tell us that they were looking on the internet or that they were connected to their son or daughter secretly who was declared an SP. Or this is my favorite one. Better luck next time, kid. Get a different body. See you next time. We'll be waiting. Not joking. Not joking at all. Yeah. But but also the ultimate the ultimate fallback position for Scientology in all things. Mm-hmm. Like if well, I wasn't really PTS or it wasn't really that or it wasn't what like all of these you go through all of these things. Ultimately, it is never that we did anything wrong. It is that the person failed to disclose something. Right. And there it's was their fault. something that they yeah. that they did or didn't do which yes. caused this situation to happen. And yeah. that is the answer to everything in Scientology when push comes to shove. Yeah. Okay, and, Sam yeah. Murdoch. Go ahead. Ready? Mm-hmm. I wanted to know more about Elizabeth Moss and her hypercritical role on The Handmaid's Tale. How obvious it should be to Elizabeth Moss that this character she plays is exactly what she is involved in. I don't understand. Me either. 
Well, well, I do actually. Well, listen, Scientology is not going to say to her, you know, this is very, people are going to say, wait a minute, this is Scientology. They're not, they're, and why would they want not one of their celebrities to be a superstar, a superstar giving back money to Scientology and recruiting for Scientology? So it, it just goes to show you the hypocrites that they are. Right. All of them. All right. of them, including Elizabeth. Right, and Elizabeth is going to look at that, and if people say to her, if mm-hmm. if a reporter ever had the balls to say to mm-hmm. her, how can you possibly doing this? She would go, this has got nothing to do with Scientology. Mike, this is she, the opposite of Scientology. Mike, she has been asked that, and she has said that. She has said something like that. She said, oh, you know, listen, that's just, you know, what's in the news and fodder and, you know, find out for yourself, you know, the answers that we're all taught to give. Right. There's one right after that mm-hmm. that I love too. Katie Sirignano. Mm-hmm. When your show was nominated for an award, would celebrity Scientologists be forbidden to attend those? Speaking of Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They, like, they didn't always know what was going to happen in these award shows. So we were at, what was that? The Producers Guild Awards or something or TV Critics or something. It yeah. was some award show. It wasn't the Emmys, but it was some award show. We were there, and when, when our, our, our category, category was going coming up, Elizabeth Moss left the room. Exactly right, be- right before our category. Mm-hmm. And when we went to that Emmy, um, whatever that thing yeah, was, and it, Brian it was, Cranston was there. Yes, and Giovanni Rabisi <laughs> decided not to come when he found out that we were there. <laughs> yes, it's so funny. These are the people who claim yeah. to have the technology to confront and shatter all suppression. Uh-huh. That they're able to confront the world, the evils of the world, but they can't be in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that Tom uh-huh. Cruise video? Have you ever seen an SP? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I eat <laughs> SPs for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I can imagine Tom Cruise running for the exits if, mm-hmm. we ended, if we showed up in the same room as him at one of these things. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. This will be our last one for today from old Aunt Joe. You've spoken dozens of times about the crazy fair gaming tactics used by Scientology against those they deem to be problematic. It seems that they continue to do this without restraint. Why can't victims appeal to police or the court system to have restraining orders put in place against the Church of Scientology, making unfounded claims that innocent people are child abusers, thieves, etc., is character defamation, which is slander, which is punishable by law, following people around, showing up at airports, private residences, and their workplaces is harassment. Why do the victims have to endure this when restraining orders have been issued for much less? Well, it's a great question, and... The answer isn't necessarily that simple, but from my perspective, the difficulty with dealing with Scientology in the legal arena is twofold. One, they plead and hide behind the First Amendment to excuse and justify all sorts of things that they do in the name of this is their freedom of religion. And I know that what you've just laid out there, old Aunt Joe, are not religious practices. But the law gets very murky in the subject of what is and isn't covered by 
you know, one's uh, professed religious beliefs. And secondly, the law is a bad venue to fight Scientology because Scientology has basically unlimited money. And when you're in the legal arena, Mm -hmm. he who has the most money has the best lawyers, and he who has the best lawyers often prevails. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a lot of money to take on these things. It's not like you are going to go find a prosecutor anywhere who wants to go after Scientology. They've got like much bigger fish to fry that are much easier things to deal with than trying to fight Scientology about a, you know, a restraining order. Because Mm -hmm. what will happen is if you walked into a court and said, I want a restraining order against the Church of Scientology, they would say, the Church of Scientology hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I want a restraining order against the employees of the Church of Scientology who are doing this. Well, there aren't any employees of the Church of Scientology that are doing this. Okay, well, I want a restraining order against whoever the fuck it is that's doing this. Well, they're hired by their private investigators, and they have rights as private investigators to do uh, conduct investigations on behalf of lawyers, mm-hmm. and that you can hide behind the uh, the privilege that they have to not have to disclose their names, blah, 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 blah. It like the fight and the barriers that mm-hmm. get, get put up to this sort of stuff are enormous. Now, look, and, yeah, and let me give you a real, real thing, Mike, right? Yeah. Valerie has been f- followed. Uh, people have been at her apartment building, uh, gained access, you know, to a secure building. Uh, you call the police and they go, okay, is the person still there? No. Did they hurt you? No. Right. There's nothing we can do. I'm being followed by another car. Uh, uh, are they still following you? Yes. How do you know they're following you? Well, I mean. <laughs> uh, They've been behind me for the last 30 minutes. Uh, maybe they're going to the same place. Is it, uh, you know, uh, call us back if it's. They're not interested. And in California, you have to have the same person follow you three times. Scientology has the money to hire different mom and pop private investigators, and they just get different people to follow you, and they'll get another three, and they'll get another three, and they'll get another three. And as far as suing, if they say something about you that is, you know, slanderous, libelous, you have to prove that you lost something because of the slander. Yep. And the law's fucked up, man. The law's fucked up in so many ways, not just with this, but, I mean, you talk to victims of real horrific crimes, and it's hard to get justice Yes, for victims that have been clearly raped, clearly beaten, clearly hurt, and you still can't get Justice. You st- right. The law is just uh, again one of the reasons why I'm going back to school, Mike. It, you know, we got to we got to change some shit in our judicial, uh, our laws, in our judicial system. It's just it's just not set up for the victim to win and to right. be protected. And right. you know, Scientology, fair game, Mike. Let's put up the link to um, 
uh, Wikipedia did a beautiful job of Scientology Dirty Tricks. It's five decades of Scientology, a huge, I mean, just, this is with um, Paulette Cooper, what they did to Paulette Cooper, but it goes through victim after victim. Just look it up. Scientology Dirty Tricks to Scientology Fair Game, Scientology... uh, Pieces of shit. I don't know. Uh, any variation <laughs> will come up what Scientology has been doing. And Mike, if you could also put up uh, what judges had to say. The And we're talking five decades, people, of Scientology doing this. L. Ron Hubbard wrote the fair game policies in the 50s. Um, and it's not just it's just it's not just called fair game, guys. There's other policies that are under the fair game banner that are not called fair game, but it's under the right. activities of fair game. And there's hundreds of policies of how to fair game people. Gabe Casares, put just put all those up, Mike, so people can see how long Scientology has gotten away with this type of thing. And throughout the the five decades, there's a handful. When I say handful, I mean three or four judges who have, through the history, said this practice of fair game has to stop. Somebody has to stop Scientology from doing this to victims of Scientology. And um, it's still going on, which is why we have a fucking podcast. Right. <laughs> Ex- exposure is the better the better antidote to fair game mm-hmm. than legal procedures. And like juncture. Mike, for example, <laughs> your daughter is with her bullshit website. It's embarrassing. Uh, to her, it should be embarrassing to her and your ex-wife, Kathy, but they they claim that you beat Kathy, even though there's a police report that says otherwise, and your daughter's continuing to try to get some, some traction with this, which she's gotten basically nowhere. But why couldn't you take that and sue her, Mike? I could. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I could. If uh-huh. I wanted to devote... Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, if I had a lawyer who was Can't willing even. to take that on without without a million dollar retainer, uh huh. Yes, uh-huh. which is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. I I could do so, mm-hmm. and if I was willing to devote the next you know five years of my life uh-huh. to getting to the end of that endless series of hurdles and barriers and impediments that would be thrown in the way and delaying tactics and this and that Mm -hmm. on and on and on and on to get to the end and have some sort of a, a statement from a court that says, or a jury that says, well, yes, you were right. This is all a bunch of lies. Mm -hmm. Well, the documents already show that it's a bunch of lies. It, right. It's like it's like not that much different other than they would be prevented from continuing to say it. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, effectively what would be accomplished. Right. And I'm I, like, I'm just not willing to spend that amount of time and right. effort and heartache and put my family through mm-hmm. You know, Christy being deposed and mm-hmm. everybody that I've ever known being called in and deposed and asked if, you know, have you beat, been beaten by Mike Rinda? Like, mm-hmm. I, why? Right. I, I know. And, 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 the other, and the other part of it, too, is that no one believes anything that Scientology right. says. 
So it's, but, but look, there's a piece of me that wants it to stop, not just for us, but for people who can't handle it, Mike. Right. I know. You know, I I know Leah. I do. All right. And on that note, thank you so much for your questions. They're always so great. I wish we could answer all of them. They're just so amazing. You guys are great. Uh, Thank you for listening. Happy New Year to come, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, uh, here's to a bright 2022. Well, at least at least for the next week. Let's just get through yeah, this week. Yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> do this week. Okay. Until next time, thank <laughs> okay. you guys so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.